Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2 of the Ops and Gynae Crit Care Podcast. The topic for today is uh, oxytocin use in labour increases the risk of postpartum haemorrhage due to uterine atony. This is a topic that I chose um, because I think it's something that is um, common but flies under the radar a little bit for those of us who practice in uh, obstetrics. So the first point I wanted to make is that um, uterine atony is becoming more common in developed countries in the last two decades. There's a couple of papers I've referenced in the, uh, on the post on the webpage. Uh, describing this process occurring in both Ireland and Canada but it appears to be a um, common across most of the developed world. A few factors are contributing to this and one of them is thought to be the increased use uh, and prevalence of oxytocin in labour. So what is the mechanism that underlies this phenomenon? Basically exposure to oxytocin during labour over time leads to down regulation and desensitization of the oxytocin receptors on the myometrium. This leads to a decreased response to oxytocin when we use it or give it after delivery as a uterotonic. And so there is um, a, an increased risk of uterine atony. So the second point is that many women who have been in labor for a long time and whose uterus may be becoming tired or fatigued um, will often also be augmented with oxytocin and this is probably an independent thing to the receptor um, phenomenon. Um, so the oxytocin infusion could be considered a marker of women with tired or um, perhaps fatigued um, myometrium and so the, this uh, independently places them at higher risk of uterine atony. What should we be doing? So we need to try and recognize these patients before they deliver. And this is as simple as asking a few questions and making it a routine practice to ask these questions. And if we do identify this, um, we should anticipate um, that they are at increased risk of uterine atony and make some preparations and change the way we um, approach them not just do the same thing that we would for someone who's having an elective caesarean for example so in theatre the team this includes the um, staff who check the patient in and the anaesthetist who is responsible for the pharmacological management of the third stage should be asking the, the labour ward team who have been looking after the patient um, oh, how long has this woman been in labour have they been on oxytocin? If so, what for what duration and uh, what dose have they been on? In our hospital, uh, or our institution that I work at, we use 10 units in 500 mils in labor ward. And generally um, up to 60 mils an hour is a sort of standard dose. And a 60 to 100 mils an hour is considered high dose or a high infusion rate. So I'm using the example of the non-elective caesarean patient coming to theatre for failure to progress but likewise there are many women down in labour ward who will um, have vaginal deliveries or instrumental deliveries who have also been on um, 
oxytocin infusions for a long time and they are just as likely to be at risk of um, this phenomenon causing eugenotony. So what should we use in these women who have decided they are at high risk and what should we use as the first line urotonic? This is something that I um, uh, wondered about and I've had done a little bit of a literature search. I think at the present time the um, evidence is that we should still be using oxytocin as the first line uterotonic. So there's some uh, human and rat studies indicating that even though it be the oxytocin becomes less effective in myometrium that's been exposed to oxytocin in labour, it still appears to be more effective than the other uterotonics, uh, at least in vitro, and certainly um, it has less serious adverse effects. So my personal take on this is I will, I will acknowledge that they are likely to be poor responders to oxytocin, but I'm going to give it at delivery as the first line uterotonic as we always have. I'm going to give the, the highest rate of the infusion right from the start. So in our institution, which uses 40 units in 500 mils, I'm going to start it straight away at 250 mils an hour. I'm going to give them a 2 to 3 unit intravenous bolus. And personally, this is my personal practice, if there's been no hemodynamic instability after um, one or two minutes, I will then repeat that bolus. And I'm quite happy to do that a few times. Um, I think giving large boluses all at once are um, risky because of the hypotension and tachycardia you can cause, but certainly spacing out smaller boluses over a longer period of time I think is relatively relatively safe. The next thing we're going to do is um, recognise that this may not work. So there is some evidence, and I've, um, I've referenced a lot of the statements that I'm making in this um, uh, podcast to um, articles that are uh, listed if you want to uh, look them up yourself um, on the post on the website. Um, so there's pretty good evidence that the myometrium, um, although it's desensitized to oxytocin, it still responds um, in a normal manner to the ergot and prostaglandin F2-alpha uterotonic drugs. These drugs work via different receptors and different intracellular messaging systems and the in vitro and in vivo evidence is that these responses are maintained at normal levels. So we should be expecting or considering the use of these drugs early. Um, so after I've given the oxytocin, within two to three minutes I will, I will be asking the obstetricians to give me an indication of whether they think they're working, what's the uterine tone. If it's poor, I will almost always um, proceed immediately to administering one of these other alternative drugs. Now, the, next, the important caveat to make at this point is that we need to be thinking carefully about the contraindications and the adverse effects of these drugs. So, most common one uh, is ergometrin, and we're going to want to avoid this in hypertensive disorders or anyone with serious cardiac disease. And if we do give them, we need to anticipate that they are going to get um, nausea and vomiting. I'll often give um, a couple of antiemetics at the same time that I give the intramuscular dose of ergometrin. The other drug which we commonly use is carboprost. Um, the most serious um, adverse effects from them are bronchospasm and uh, pulmonary vasoconstriction. So we probably shouldn't give it to someone who has uh, got active asthma or is already wheezy. Um, and um, you know, be very careful if it, um, if you're concerned about those things.
these women um, may not respond to any pharmacological therapy so it's important that you discuss uh, with your obstetric colleagues and probably even prior to delivery the early use of physical and surgical therapies and you should probably institute some of these simultaneously with your escalating pharmacological treatment by this I mean battery balloon tamponade compression sutures like B Lynch um, and then even further uh, further down the list um, escalating to uterine artery ligation embolization if you're lucky enough to have that facility um, or hysterectomy another point I'd like to make is that in these patients if they are um, bleeding consider the use of tranexamic acid early this is obviously a contentious point and I'm not going to go into detail discussing this but my take is that um, recent studies such as the woman trial and evidence from other uh, surgical patient groups and large trials um, reassures me that I don't think there is a high risk of serious events like thrombosis with the use of tranexamic acid and when someone's bleeding I'll often or it's developing uterine 18 I'll try and give it early I think that's more likely to be effective if you give it early rather than late Alright, uh, the final point I want to cover before we summarise everything is um, what about if we cease the oxytocin infusion? Um, will these receptors recover? So you know, the, the commonest scenario probably is the woman who um, fails to progress so, they, so they're exposed to a large amount of oxytocin during labour and then unfortunately they don't seem to progress and a decision is made that they're going to um, call it and bring them up to theatre for a non-elective caesarean. Some recent evidence, um, mainly from the, a retrospective cohort study from Canada published last month, indicates that um, the short answer is yes, we should be stopping these oxytocin infusions as soon as we can. Um, it does appear that the longer the um, uterus has to rest, then the more um, time it has to regenerate receptors, probably here for the muscle to, to um, recover and the less likely they are to bleed so this is an important point to remember okay so let's summarize the um, points that have gone over um, what can we what are what are the main messages from this um, from this talk first of all we should try to use the minimum effective dose of oxytocin that we need in labor and um, if possible and it's not always um, try to titrate the dose down when when you can. Secondly, cease the oxytocin as soon as the decision is made to proceed to caesarean delivery. Um, this will allow for time for the myometrium to rest and for the oxytocin receptors to, to um, regenerate. Thirdly, and this is probably the most important point, is we, sh we need to recognize these women. So we should be making it a routine practice to ask about this, ask about the length of time they're in labor, oxytocin exposure. Following this if we have recognized them we need to anticipate that they're going to get or they are going to be at high risk of uterine atony and get ready to give larger doses of oxytocin, add the alternative uterotonics early and move to physical and surgical measures early. And a final point is that um, you know we can we can predict that these patients are going to develop, often are going to develop uterine atony and hemorrhage, and so we should be thinking about involving experienced staff um, earlier rather than later. You know, often we can even get them involved.
before the delivery so that they were around at the time to help with um, the decision making and um, implementing some of these measures. Thanks for listening everyone. Please go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review, this will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.obsandguinecrickcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.